from another mother, Frederick <laughs> Reddy. How you doing, man? Man, that's all good, Lenny. Let's get into this. Let's go. Yeah, so I'm really excited to, uh, to just do another episode with you. We got a lot of great feedback on our beware of the prepping profiteers. So far, it's probably my second biggest show that I've gotten feedback from, which is kind of interesting because it's not the most listened to, but it's the most responded to. So I think we put out some good information last time. And I know people are not pervy to our conversations we have, but out of everybody in the prepping community, I probably conversate with you the most. And there's just so much value I gain from talking to you that I'm happy that we get an opportunity to sit here and even share a little bit of this with people out there. Absolutely. So thank you for your time. Hey, no problem. I appreciate it. And it's a ditto on my part. Definitely number one person I talk to in the community as well. And um, I enjoy um, how we bounce off each other. So um let's get to let's let's get this started let's get the people we'll start feeding them something let's feed them something for sure so okay so one thing i want to focus on because this is a prepping podcast right and sometimes i pontificate too much about politics or theories or this and that when a lot of preppers just want to talk about some gear so you got any new gear you're excited about or you're working on or you're thinking about Absolutely. The, it's, it's, it's probably been my number one focus now for, um, I would say at least, I think I purchased it in, in six months ago and all through this whole summer, it'll continue being my number one focus back to winter again. And that's my solar generator. Um, and I'm going with the blue Yeti AC 200 max. Um, it, it it's, there's is this endless amounts of things to learn about now, far say, as say say that again say that that product again okay so it's blue yeti and it's ac 200 max and now, um, before before you talk about that some more i think it's important that people understand this about you that's not a paid sponsorship is it well, I, I do have an affiliate link with them. I'm not going to lie. I have an affiliate link with them. If anybody wants to support me, support me by supporting you support to say that, right? Oh, absolutely. I bought it. <laughs> you bought it. Exactly. That yeah. wasn't given to you or nothing. And that's one thing I appreciate about you too, man. You do some diligent research before you buy anything. So if that's what you buy, I'm all Oh, in. absolutely. How, how, how I mean, does that work for you? Brother, $1,800 is a lot of money to spend on something. And you got to do all that research. And there's really... Um, nothing like it in its class, in my opinion. Um, and one of the first things I like to talk about, just so people understand a little bit, when you're deciding to get a solar power generator, you have to choose, in my opinion, because it only makes sense, instead of lithium ion batteries, which the majority of generators are, you have to go with lith lithium phosphate batteries. We're talking about lithium ion. That's what's in your phone. And you know how long your phone lasts when you, you know, recharge it over and over. You get about, you know, two years, maybe three years. And then all of a sudden that battery starts to balloon up. Well, a lithium phosphate battery, you'll get up to 10 years. Yeah, I mean, it could go, you know, depending on how well, you know, how much you're using it. And you're not going to be charging it up and down and up and down like you would with a phone. So probably realistically, you probably can get about 15 years. So it really will pay for itself at the end of the day. So it's like one of those purchases that hurt in the beginning, but over a course of time, you get your money back. And most importantly, you have a, a way to prepare yourself in any kind of emergency event. 
And one of the reasons why I got into it is because, brother, you're down in Texas. You saw what happened when the power grid went down. That was a real event. 750-plus people passed away, lost their lives because they did not have a, a power plan. They didn't have, you know, they might have had some food put away. They might have had some water put away. But they just did not have a off-grid power plan. And so I wanted to make sure that wasn't going to happen to me. You and know, that's 750 not. people. That's a staggering number. Because even here in Texas, man, they don't harp on how bad that winter was as much as they harp on, like, how bad the Harvey was. I don't think 750 people died in Harvey. Right, right. And you know what? You know, let me just say this. You know what also is bad? Do you realize if this happens in the summertime and you have no way to cool yourself, it'll be exactly about the same amount of people. A Texas summer in August with no power? I mean, you'll you'll have hundreds of people that will die in the summertime. So it doesn't have to be winter. It could be, it, it could be, you have to have a cooling plan as well as, as a plan. For us, that's been one of our biggest challenges too, is to figure out how are we going to cool ourselves? Like warming ourselves up is, uh, is fairly easy in terms of how the opportunities you have and the, the ways you could do that. Right. But the cooling yourself is a lot trickier because I couldn't imagine that- being, I couldn't imagine being out here um, without AC. Part of when I first moved out here, right? I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but um, when I quit my job in the San Francisco Bay Area, the plan was to come to Texas for three months and just check it out and then go to Oregon for three months. And I timed it so those three months would be three months here in Texas in the summer and then three months of Oregon in the winter because I knew those are going to be the hardest climates, right? And whether or not I wanted to live in either of those climates uh, was going to be determined on actually living in those climates, right? Mm. But but Texas was my number one choice, my preferred choice, and I kind of forgot about how much I'm indoors and how much AC has kind of changed things. So even though there were some blistering days, the majority of my day was spent inside, so it really wasn't that horrible. But if 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 I came out here pre AC, I would not be a Texan. I would not be out here. Right. And it, I mean, it, it's there is actually some solutions, and um, you know, I like to invite everybody to go to my one URL, which is preparedness.tips, and um, you know, if you click on uh, tpaca.co, that's the Preparedness Awareness Community Academy. I actually have a topic that talks about cooling, and one of the ways to do it is eco. Um, which is a famous outdoor brand, probably the number one outdoor brand, uh, outdoor equipment out there, they're coming out with a mist fan. And so if you live in the world of eco products and you have their batteries, pick up that mist fan and, and with the solar generator, you'll basically have endless energy. And then that way you can be out there, you can mist yourself, keep your body cool. I mean, otherwise you're going to be using up all your water. See, that's the thing about it. If if you don't find a way to truly cool yourself, now you're going through your water supplies like ridiculous. And most people don't plan enough for water anyway. And then now you have to go through this two-week heat heat uh, you know heat streak, and that w- that's what knocked the power grid off. Well, now you're doubling. You're using your water up. So you really do have to come up with a solution. And I have a whole section on cooling, but um. Let me tell you why I'm passionate about this sol- about my solar panel. 
um, or I'm sorry, my, my solar generator is cause I'm just learning how the whole thing works from, from like over paneling. Like you have to, it's a whole language to learn. You have to learn, you have to over panel so you can fill up that solar generator with your solar panels a lot faster. You can't afford to have, like you might have a, a cloudy day. And so you really, really need to get that energy in there right away. And if you just get a 200 watt, a lot of the preppers that are, you know, kind of doing reviews because they get that free, you know, they get those free generators sent to them and they just don't get into the true amount of work that you have to put in to actually make this happen. So it's not just you get a solar generator, you go get a two watt uh, or 200 watt solar panel and you'll be good to go. I have 1200 watts. I mean, my, my generator cannot take in that much wattage, but you will never get that much wattage even on the best days. Cause if it's sunny and hot, guess what? You lose a lot of energy because of the heat. It just, it, that, that's the way solar works. If it's sunny and it's winter, well, guess what? Now you're not getting exactly the same amount of sun. So there's really no perfect scenario. So with 1200 watts, if I can get 600 watts, oh man, I'm, I'm extremely happy. I can fill my generator up, which is a 200 watt generator from zero to, two, I'm sorry, 2000 watt generator from zero to 2000 watts in about two hours, two and a half hours at that rate. So it's a lot to learn. You know, you have to understand what watts are, amps, volts. Um, and then, of course, in our world. So you got, you got one, to kind of self-educate yourself to become an electrician in a way. You, absolutely. And you have to take it seriously because looking back, I know in this nonsense of COVID and the two years that we've gone through that nonsense, the one thing that I realized that I'm not free on is I'm not free with my power, right? So people say, oh, I'm not on welfare. I don't take no food stamps. I don't do anything that I'm like, well, you on the grid? You depend on power? Oh, well, you depend on government then. So you're not free. And anytime that you have to depend on government, forget about it. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm putting so much energy to try to understand that. I'm trying to buy products that take a lot low voltage so using like 12 volts and 20 volts instead of using 110 outlet. Um, and literally, bro, I can go on and on about this. But yeah, that, that's, my, that's my newfound passion. And it's going to continue for a while because I've been tracking the sun over all these months. So you, you got to know how the sun lies on your property. So I know what the winter sun looks like and where, what, where it comes at and how high it gets versus now coming into the summer where it's literally virtually on top of your head and almost any spot in your backyard is, is, is good to go. But it is totally. Now when, now when you're tracking the sun, are you using the flat earth model or the globe earth model? No, when I'm tracking the sun, I mean, I mean, I, mean, I know you're joking, but just so people don't know, you know, because people take us seriously. Like I mean, literally going out, Marking stuff down, taking a picture. I mean, literally tracking the sun. You know what I'm saying? So, so you're going to ancient aliens and you got the little mini pyramids <laughs> out there and you're tracking the solar eclipses. I like it. I like exactly. it. Exactly. But what are you passionate about? Any new products that's, that's on your radar? 
Man, you know, I've been getting into um, ways to be more efficient around the house with our time. So and and help us preserve food. So we've gotten like some rice cookers, some dehydrators, um, a couple like air fryers. It, it doesn't seem like it's a prep, but it really is. Because the less time mm. we have to spend doing X, Y, Z, cooking, prepping, cleaning, anything like that, is more time I can spend in the garden, more time I can spend with the chickens. As my biggest prep right now is being more efficient with um, my time and, and buying things that help me do that. Even though they seem like kind of, you know, maybe not necessary purchases, but if it if it saves me ten minutes, if it saves me fifteen minutes, and it frees me up to do something else, that that's what I'm more focused on right now. But it's mostly been just some uh, some food dehydrators because the process we were using before um, was taking too long. A little solar dehydrator and all that. So I bought a couple mm-hmm. of the actual machines to do it for me, and I just kind of set it and forget it, and it's saving me time from having to. I don't know if you've ever tried to dehydrate food just using the little solar. I don't know if they're steels or what they're called, but the solar dehydrators, it just was not efficient at all. That would be cool if you're off the grid and it was kind of like your only solution. And it's just kind of making it in a little box and you got some tin foil and stuff like that. And the amount of time versus just spending the 40 bucks for the dehydrator. Right, right. You know what I mean? So I've been just trying to do stuff like that because I like to be kind of cheap sometimes, but I'm, I'm spending a little bit more money in the hopes of getting more time on the back end so kind of like you said with the solar panels and stuff you, you buy once cry once it's a little bit more money i mean that's a 1800 bucks is a way bigger investment than what i'm spending on on these dehydrators and stuff but that's kind of like the biggest preps i'm excited about right now and then uh the next one is magazines for my rifle because i feel like they're going to come after these high capacity magazines oh uh, yeah pretty soon so i've been trying to stock up on them and, you know, kind of like you've been tracking the sun, I've been tracking the prices on these magazines, man. And here in Texas, where they've been legal for a long time, I mean, you could walk in and you could get a 30-round mag for $6.99. You'll be hard-pressed to find one for $16.99 now. They're, they're closer to the 18 to 20 to even sometimes about $24 now. Wow. that's a, I'm glad that's a great reminder. Um, it's one of the... One of the few reasons why I go to gun shows um, is to get magazines and some ammo. Um, you're right. I'm going to have to figure out when the next uh, local. We have a guy here that puts on a gun show like maybe every two months. So, um, yeah, I'm going to have to figure out when his next show is. I buy, you know, my 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 brand of firearm for handguns or Glocks. And then I have the Caltech. So that's a Glock as well. Um and I typically just get used um, police, you know, magazines, you know, it's like $10 or something like that. So yeah, uh, see, that's a heck of a deal. Cause like the, the double stack Glock 19 mags right now, about 30 bucks. And that, oh, that's, wow. that's a, yeah. That's insane to me just to go to the store and pick them up. I probably need to go to a little local gun show and see if I can get a better deal. I probably could. I just, with my work schedule, I never like it. Never seems like they're they're happening at the time that's good for me, because like I'll have right. Sundays I'll have Sundays off, and by the time I show up on Sunday, all the good shit sold already. Everybody, every, everybody was there Friday, Saturday. I got you know some guy ask asking for you know way too much money for a musket that's not even really an antique musket; it's a replica. But he has a two-hour story for you about it. So. Right. Right. Yeah, you're right about that. You got to hit that the first day to pick up um, 
like for me at least, you know, picking up those used Glock magazines because uh, they will be by by time. Like you said, by the time Sunday comes along, they're not around anymore. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so. village, man. I feel like I showed up late to the to the prepper swap meet, and I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting just kind of the scrub stuff. <laughs> but you know, that's uh, uh, that's something I've been thinking about with with these magazines too. As I purchase them, is they'll be a good barter item. Like I'll never barter ammo, but I may barter some magazines. Cause you already obviously got the ammo, right? Like if you, if you need the magazine, you already got the ammo, but I'm not going to give somebody ammo. I may give them a magazine, which might be just as bad as giving them ammo, but I figure it'd be a pretty good barter item in the future too. I I, I think you're probably right. And I think you're, I think uh, it might even work the opposite way where um, you have other barter items and you say, Hey, I'll barter for a magazine because People are going to run out of ammo, and so you know. But they'll have magazines, and you can say, "Hey, let me get some." You know, let me get a couple magazines, and I'll give you some cans of food or or something like that. Um, you know, so yeah, it's uh it's something to have because if I, God forbid we were ever in some kind of fight, you're just not going to have the time to reload. So you always have to, having extra magazines is pretty much a must-have for preppers, I believe. Yeah, and then you know, there may be some people who aren't on the the extreme of prepping, but I also have been caching some. So that's that's part of why I want to have some extra too, because I got some little rally points and bug out locations and stuff, and it's just nice to have some off site, like have a decent amount on site, a decent amount off site. So you know, mat no matter where I end up, I have extra way to do. I totally agree. I mean, I it's one, uh, you know, not to keep on continuing with this, but one of the things I'm going to end up doing here, um, it might not happen this year, um, but eventually I will do, I'm going to move from 40 caliber to nine millimeter. And so even though I'm buying a bunch of mag, you know, I have, I already have a lot of magazine, a lot of ammo and all that stuff for 40 caliber. Eventually I'll cash that and, um, and I'll put that where it needs to be at. And so it's like almost like my backup. And then I move into this nine millimeter world and then I have to kind of start all over again. I just know what the costs are to do that. So that's why I'm, one, I'm in no rush to do it because I'm really not a, a gun guy, um, but I just know it needs to be done. I know I need to be on the nine millimeter platform. So it's only a matter of time. Yeah, I made that transition myself about five or six years ago and it's, to me, a lot of stuff is more, the accessories are more available in nine millimeter and they're more affordable. Exactly. That's pretty much the reason why I did it, but I'm still probably more heavy on my 40 than I am on my nine millimeter ammo. Cause I had an entire decade prior of prepping right. that ammo, you know? So it's a, it's a right. weird little feeling to be switching the platform. I'll tell you what though, that Glock 19 is a whole lot easier to, to for whatever reason, I just feel more comfortable with it. Yeah, I mean it's what everybody says. So it's it's just needs to get done. It's just a matter of time. Um, on the long list of all the things we got to prep for, <laughs> the, the never-ending list, right? You're like, hey, I've done really good. Let me let Man. me completely mix it up now. <laughs> but yeah, so okay, so that that's prepping gear, man. What um what else is kind of on your on your radar right now? What what should people be concerned about? The inflation, well, the food shortages, what, what are you looking at? Well, I'll tell you right now, when it comes to inflation and food shortages, um, you know, 
food shortages is, you know, I've been following what's going on with this avian flu, this bird flu. And um, I just made a, I didn't even post it yet. So this is a uh, last prepper standing exclusive. Let's um, go. I wish I had a sound effect for it. <laughs> but um, I just purchased uh, 50, a total of 20 cases of chicken breasts. Eight chicken breasts in a case, freeze wrap, um, sealed wrapped. The individual and, um, ones, right? Like the ones you were individual. Yep, the individual ones. Because what was happening is, I bought last year in July. I bought about thirty, I believe. I forget. It might have been a little bit more than thirty, but let's just say thirty-five. Right? I bought thirty-five cases. I had about that. It came out to somewhere over three hundred chicken breasts. It. Totally filled my my deep freezer. I was completely happy, and then I put the date of expiration on it, and then I just rotate it through it, right? So here comes January, and all of a sudden I couldn't find my chicken anywhere. I'm like, what the hell is going on? You know, and and so I kind of let it go to February. Here comes March because again I had you know the whole fridge the whole freezer was stocked, and then I had my other freezers that was kind of stocked up too. So once I started dipping in to my main freezer and that was going, I had basically five spaces. I said, okay, I got to make a decision. You know, I got to make a decision here. So I went on, I, I buy from Purdue. It's their Harvest Fresh brand. That's supposed to be, you know, very healthy for you. I went on their site and they were selling it there and I just couldn't take any chances. Cause I don't, I mean, I know they're killing a lot of birds right now. I know, I think it's up to in America about 30 million. Um, about 5 million eggs. Staggering over. number to think about. What's that? That's a staggering number to think about. And then you, you think that would be over the nightly news every single night. Could you imagine if 30 million people died? I mean, it's not, that's not a small number. I mean, in, I didn't think it was that many. I thought we were like in the hundreds of thousands, 30 million. Now, you think about it, to be honest with you, like what, what's going on in Europe is hundreds of millions, right? Hundreds and hundreds of millions. Now think about it. There's not a restaurant we can't go to in America and get a a, a dozen chicken wings, right? So that's six chicken, six chickens. Well, you know, sort sort of. Wings, you know, sort of have have. I don't know. We like Wingstop because we do keto, and they've had days where they they don't have wings. Well, well, yeah, that's my well. This is my point and why I'm trying to do this. But in general, I would think there's probably a billion chickens. <laughs> so it's just something probably really ridiculous. But the, that's not really the point, at least from my perspective, right? I know I'm trying to get a certain type of chicken, right? And that's just the healthier, you know, grass or, um, you know, um, pasture fed and stuff like that. Um, those are going to be the first ones that go, <laughs> you know, it's the factory ones. The probably, they'll probably keep those going for a while. But the healthier ones, just because of their agenda, I've, I personally feel like that they're the ones that probably go faster. So I just stocked up again. And what's so nice by me doing that, I figured out how much chicken I eat. So I have two boxes left from my original purchase that I'll, you know, get done here um, sometime in May. And um, so being filled back up again and having a little extra, I know I'm good to go with two people. Now I have three people in my party. So I'm, I'm good long as I have power, I'm good with chicken for real, you know, healthy protein for at least six months. And that's, 
And that's, that, it, make, it gives you a feeling of comfort, you know what I mean? So as a prepper, it's not always like, oh, man, the power's going to go out, it's going to be the end of the world. It just could be a food shortage. It just could be this bird flu. And and the bird it could just be it could be just some inflation. Like I don't feel like paying. Inflation. I don't feel like three dollars more per pound for this chicken than I did last year. I'm just gonna eat the stuff I had. I, I give you a perfect example. I also did beef um, last year going into this year because um, I said, man, they're not gonna take away me from grilling outside uh, uh, this summer. I was like, I'm buying steak. I'm buying beef. Uh, before these prices get ridiculous, I'm just, they're just not going to take that away from me. And so I was getting the grass fed cow, you know, good beef. I was getting that for $14, uh, 1399. Cause I was always, it's really was, uh, 1599, but I only would buy on sale. Um, so I got like 17, 20 pounds of that. Well, right now they're around twenty-two to twenty-five dollars. Oh if you, my goodness! So if you don't have the coupon, you're paying twenty-five. You got the coupon, three dollars off. You're paying twenty-two, and I was paying thirteen. I mean, look at that. That's ridiculous. So yeah, I mean, that's the great thing I really think about preppers. Like, and this is the myth that I want to kind of you know have people understand and that's why they could feel proud by saying that they're a prepper because preppers are truly just smart. We're smarter than the average person. It's just, it, it's just is what it is. We're good stewards with our money. We make decisions quickly. We make decisions on information before the public gets a hold of that information. So that way I'll give you another example of inflation. So I'm, you know, I'm a caregiver for my mother. My brother helps me. Um, two to three months out of the year. And I send my mother down to his place. Well, I figured, I said, hey, I got to figure this out now. Let's get this taken care of. And this was, say, this was in uh, January, right at the turn of the year. And I figured out the time. I said, okay, bro, this is what I'm going to do. Bought the tickets, happy about it. Here comes the war. Here comes the, here comes the $4 and some says gas. I bought round tick trick round tip round trip ticket for 242 and that's what preferred seating because i want to i don't want my mom walking all the way down the aisle and stuff like that you know so it's right there up front seating um checking bags and stuff like that i if i go online to get those same tickets right now 682 dollars and I believe you because we we're going to a wedding in June and we're, we're kind of, we've always bought our tickets kind of last minute, right? We mm -hmm. took a little, a little peek at them a month or two ago. They're around 600, 700 bucks. Those tickets now, we're just, just waiting that little bit of time, $1,800. <laughs> so we might not be going. <laughs> And, and I feel really bad. I feel really bad because it's a lifelong friend. But I mean, it's just that's a staggering. I couldn't figure out why the tickets were so expensive until our conversation right now. I was like, oh yeah, the freaking oil and or gas and jet fuel and all that stuff is through the roof. It is true. And not only is this, not only that, which we don't want. I don't want to really talk about. But there's a pilot shortage for a reason. Um, out there so you got you have to put that into play to it as well so again by being prepared living a world of preparedness not fear not worry about you know 
reacting to things out of fear, but doing things because you live a world of preparedness, you save a lot of money. I mean, I save a tremendous amount of money. So with inflation, with shortages, either food or tech, or I don't care if it's like um, a tool, you know, that's made in China that you might need. Now would be the time to get it. And a lot of ways, you know, I think about this stuff on a very serious level. So it's like, you know, how can you still do it, get what you want and, and still be affordable? So you're going to have to start hitting flea markets. You're going to have to start hitting garage sales. You're going to have to start looking at Facebook marketplace, pick up some stuff for free. You're going to have to think really outside the box to be good stewards with your money and come up with some ideas that like, I mean, it could be a, um, a garden, right? So mm-hmm. you want to do a raised bed garden. Well, lumber prices are kind of off the roof. I've been picking up at my home. I got two Home Depots in my area. I actually got more, but this, the two I go to. And the one is the biggest. They stop, they stop offering that free lumber. Ben, they took it away. Well, the scrap lumber, and we've talked about that before. Actually, yeah, got they, some scrap, I got some scrap lumber from there because of our conversation, because I didn't even know that was a thing. So now it's not a thing. Well, they're taking the bigger stores are taking it away. The smaller little stores that can kind of handle it for whatever reason, who knows why they do it. Well, guess what? That's where I shop at now. I don't even go to that one anymore. Um, and I just constantly pick up wood. I'm just like, hey, you know, it's, it's what's nice is you cut it. So I always get like um, in five foot sections because one, I can get into my vehicle and two, it's kind of like a theme. I have all these five foot sections. So like, um, but even still, you know, that makes it affordable. But let's say, let's just say, hey, I don't got time for all that. I'm not going to do all that. I got to get these raised beds. Well, I'm going with um, five gallon bucket growing, but five buckets are free. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to sit there and spend, I mean, look, it might be $200 when it's all said and done with. And then the time and effort it takes to make that raised bed. So now you're talking about a weekend of work. I'm not going to do that when I can just go out and get some free buckets. Yeah. You know? well, so, there's there's some weird math with some of the gardening too. Like, you know, you spend, like you said, 200, 300 bucks to get uh, $6 worth of peppers. If you, were to, if, if you were to just go to the store, you know what I mean? I know. I know. But it's look, I, I don't want to discourage people from growing. I, to me, I think of that as a homestead concept. So I'm not there yet. And I probably won't be there until I start homesteading. But I do want to grow my potatoes. That's the one thing I just want to grow. I want to. Right. And, I, and, I, and I'm not trying to discourage anyone either. I just. I, any way that you could cut some corners and save yourself some money is, is a smart idea to me. Cause there's some, I like agree. you said, being smart and having some reality to it. I know that this season I started a little late. We're going to grow some tomatoes. I wanted to do kind of an elaborate, um, situation, but the lumber prices were expensive. I got a little bit of a late start. And then I just sat there and I thought about it. I said, okay, you know, I built these raised beds. Yes. They last me a couple of years, but at the price that lumber and all this stuff is going to cost right now, does it really make sense for what I'm going to yield from it? And I'm moving. Like my right. whole goal is to homestead. I'm not doing permanent infrastructure, it, you know, in my home. You know what I mean? I'm only going to do things that will go with me or will improve the value of, the, of my home. So, 
Yeah, I, I, I think your time has to be, you have, as, a, as somebody who lives in the world of preparedness, I, you, I agree 100% that you have to value your time, figure out where you're going to put it at, and, you know, you have a family. Family time is just as important as anything else. That's part of preparedness. You are preparing your children to be, a, to be good quality adults. So you have to, you know, I look at everything as preparedness, see? Right. And now, a lot of, of people don't of my, do that. Yeah, part of my four pillars of prepping, one of them is group building. And to me, I try to explain to people group building is simply just having a cohesive, good family. And so you Absolutely. have to invest time into that. So that, that's important that you mention that too. Now, what you're just talking about, some creative ways to garden, might, might kind of lead into the next question. Uh, what are some strategies you suggest to help people fight the hyperinflation or the inflation that we're seeing right now beyond being creative about going to yard sales and what did you say garage sales and flea markets and stuff like that? What are some other ideas you may have? Well, you know, this is one of these ones that are tricky because I know a lot of us are hurting and it's hard to put back money and it's hard to save and, and you're trying to balance everything out. Like if I lose a job, you know, maybe I should put that money in buying food. Um, and what I'm trying to compare is gold or silver. Uh, for me, I'm not into crypto. Um, but I recently purchased a, a pretty good amount of silver. Um, and that's for, for extremely, it's either for emergency use or it'll be for, um, down the road, you know, it's hedging. I want to make sure my, my, my dollar has the same amount of buying power. And really the only way you can do that is with gold or silver because it will increase with inflation. And so it's not a way, I think a lot of people get it mixed up and they think it's a way to make money. I don't see it that way, even though you can, like I could have bought, man, I look back recent. I just look back recently during the pandemic. Silver was at a low of um, twelve dollars. Oh my god! Uh, and you could have picked up eagles for probably around fifteen dollars. I just bought my eagles at thirty five dollars. I mean thirty five dollars. Yeah, that's re that's reminiscent of oh eight man. Like I think it was under like ten bucks or something, and shot up to fifty. I mean, it's just absolutely yeah, crazy. I, I, kick, I kick myself about that all the time, but. That's why I have my silver too. I, I don't ever try to tap into that silver. I figure that's for, for me when I'm an old man, because it's going like you, you look at our parents, like they bought uh, candy bars for 25 cents. Right. What is right. it going to be like? What is it going to be like when we're old men? That silver is right. going to follow that type of inflation. I'm going to, I'm going to cash it out then. That's my plan with my silver. That's exactly same where, same way I'm at. And I just, I choose to just majority will go with uh, liberties uh, or with eagles. Um, and, and, but you know, again, a lot the, of people can't do that. I go with the bullion bars. Cause I don't feel like explaining to dummies that, Hey, this isn't worth 50 cents. Hey, this isn't worth a dollar. <laughs> like I feel like I figure like a bar is like a good starting point. So they can't like put a number in their brain about what they think <laughs> it's worth. You know, does that make, you know what I mean? No, I, I I hear what you're saying. You, unfortunately, you know who gave me that idea that I to totally need to get bars is uh, you see Mark those Dice. Mark Dice. Yes, Mark Dice, <laughs> man. I I'll 
whenever I want to like kind of feel better about myself, I'll go back. I got a couple videos. One of them's the Maury video where the guy starts dancing when he finds out he's not the not the dad, and they hit that Outcast song. Like that just fires me up. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. And then uh, the other video is that dumb chick who like took the Hershey's bar instead of the gold bar. I know, man. I <laughs> oh know. man, I was like, ooh. I mean, <laughs> it's it's just it's just it's amazing, man, out there in California, particularly. Um, or just in general, how people just don't, you know, they're not, they're just not thinkers. And that's, again, why people, you just, you know, every time we talk, the one thing I just want to emphasize to people, because I hear people when I'm in, when I'm doing Clubhouse, and if you guys want to know when I'm doing Clubhouse, please check out preparedness.tips. That gives you everywhere I'm at and what I do. Um, but when well, I'm doing my Clubhouse. On, expand on Clubhouse, because I don't think a lot of people know about that. Well, Clubhouse is an app um, where you can it's, – it's a new tech, a new type of social media called audio social. So you, you can carry real conversations with people. And this is why I love it. And this is why um, – and probably it get more popular once Elon Musk takes over Twitter because uh, Twitter has something called Twitter Spaces, and then there's Clubhouse. Those are basically the two main social audio – um, networks and it just gives a way for people to have a dialogue. Think of it as a convention. So if I'm hosting a convention, right. And that topic is preparedness one-on-one I'm on stage and I'm like, Hey, I'm talking about preparedness. And then people who also want to talk, they raise their hand. Literally you raise your hand. I invite you on stage. Now you're part of a panel and now we're all talking and then you have the audience. Anytime people from the panel could go down to the audience and vice versa. People from the audience could come up to the panel. And I really enjoy it because it gives, I have people that have, have been following me for a long time on Instagram, but we never spoke ever. I've never, I don't know what their voices sound like or anything. Now I get a chance to actually interact with them, have deeper conversations with them. Um, and it creates real, the one thing I've been I've been taking a lot of conversations offline that I've that started on Clubhouse now, and I've met some interesting people um, and had some. I mean, it's been nothing but a positive experience. And one of the things about it that I realize with people, and this goes, man. So you you, you just I like how you set things up, brother. I like how you set things up. I didn't even realize what you were what you just did right there. Um, but this kind of goes into what have the feedback that I've gotten from people who spoke, who, you know, I, I consider myself a disaster preparedness coach and I give like a free session, you know, when I'm on clubhouse and I ask them a bunch of questions or they fill out a form on preparedness.tips where they can schedule times and they fill out a nice 20 questions uh, survey. And so then when we're actually on stage, I could cut out those 20 questions because I already know them and then I could get right into, you know, helping them get better prepared. And I realized that a lot of people get prepared in, in my area in two types of emergency preparedness. So I have, I've kind of coined this where there's five types of emergency preparedness. The first is disaster preparedness, which is self-explanatory. Next is personal preparedness. So that's your fire. That's if you got in a situation where there was an active shooter because that's personal to you. 
And then there, the third would be a mixture of both. The fourth would be event preparedness, where you're, you're preparing for a hurricane or you're preparing for a tornado. And then the last line, that's kind of really what I want to talk about, is introspection like preparedness, like where you have to dig down deep and you're, you're trying to figure things out, you're self-analyzing, you're soul-searching. It's that type of preparedness. So since I've been doing this, I realized that people are prepared. They're doing disaster preparedness and they're doing event preparedness. They're not, I don't hear a lot of EDC talk or anything about personal preparedness or nobody, it doesn't seem like the general public is you know, worried about carrying a, a trauma kit with them everywhere to go or a tourniquet. Um, but it's this event and disaster. But here's my question, and this is why I like to not only pose to you, Lenny, but just to the audience here, is are you looking within and, and looking at your own personal preparedness, like truly evaluating it? Like I'm in the process of writing an evaluation, um, like uh, surveying, so people can look at all the different types of categories or topics of preparedness, which I now have on my website, which is tpaca.co. And I have a total of 50, you know. And so every time I ask people, where I start going down the list. I say, well, are you prepared for, like we just talked about, cooling? No. Are you prepared for laundry off-grid? No. How about, what are you going to do with your human, human waste? You know, you can't flush the toilet. What are you going to do with that? Now, they didn't even think about it. Um, and I could go on and on where people are missing some of the things that will get you better prepared, more comfortable, feeling better about your preparedness, but really judging it, really truly evaluating it. And then the, the second part of that, um, when you're looking within, is you have to be honest with yourself and say, can I really do this on my own? You know, it, is it me and my family? Will that be enough to make me feel comfortable? Because if it's not, if you're truly being honest with yourself, because you live in a city, you might want to do something and get your neighbors woke when it comes to preparedness. So I'm going to be doing a free PDF that people can print, um, download for free, go to your workplace, use their copiers and, and, and just start, and, and just start maybe passing them out at nighttime. You know, that you can cover your face now. So you could wear some ninja gear and, and just put it on people's door doors or put it on their um, cars. And you're going to see videos uh, of me doing that here um, in the next few months, um, because I've made a decision that I do want to wake for me to be better prepared. If I can just get 25 to 30% of people in my neighborhood to prepare for three months of food and water, and then have some other stuff involved, I will be safer. So it's actually in my best interest, you know, even though it's the right thing to do, I believe at the end of the day, it's the right thing to do. But if you just take away from it's the right thing to do to say, what is in your self interest? And that's, that's that fifth, fifth part of preparedness. What is in your self-interest? Well, make sure you have all the different topics covered in preparedness and then really evaluate if you have to bring outside help. And it goes to what you just said, the four pillars, group building. Do you really have to focus on creating a group? That could be church members, people from your job. I mean, like-minded people, obviously, 
And they're going to have to participate if you're going to bring them in with you. I brought in my preparedness partner. She contributed over $5,000 in preparedness, which I, I, she's not a burden at, at one at, at all. She's actually, a, it, it really helped me out as well. And, um, and I'm, th I'm thankful for that. So I, you know, if something goes down, we all are going to be better prepared. So I don't know. How do you see that Lenny? Like, how do you see one self-evaluation and then two bringing in help like, or, or waking other people inside of your community? What do you feel about that? The, well, the, the, I like the way you broke it down in terms of like people are prepared for either just disaster, the personal or disaster and event more than anything. Right. And then the yes. personal preparedness, that's kind of like your EDC and stuff. Is that what that means? Right. And the general public just is not with that, you know? And, it, and it's hard. Like they kind of got to be gearheads and stuff to even get them engaged in that. Um, and when you're working on group building and you're finding like-minded people, um, I think I mentioned him to you. There's a, there's a gentleman at my work right now. How we're working on some fitness together, and and part of it came through the fact that I noticed he was watching Walking Dead, right? Mm. And, and so we started up a conversation about that, and then I asked him about EDC bags, and it just kind of snowballed from there. And then now I realized, hey, we're we're very much like minded. So now I got him building a bug out bag. I got him thinking about disaster preparedness. I got him working on his health and fitness. So then we're kind of developing that relationship to help me build my group. And that's just on a small individual level with a with a coworker, right? And right. I've have mixed feelings about working with the community. I like I admire you on your your willingness to do that and want to do that. And the math on it's great, right? Like you get 20 to 30% of the people in your area and you don't have to worry about them killing you in the first three months because they don't have any food. Yeah, it benefited you a whole lot. And, and Brother, I'm, a, I'm in the, not in the suburbs, right? Because even in the suburbs, you're around hundreds of people, right? Hundreds mm -hmm. of homes in a suburb track. I'm in the city. I'm around thousands of homes. And, I, and I'll be honest with you. I am trying to do my neighborhood. You know, that's my main concern is my neighborhood. I'm in, I'm in the third most populated area in Pennsylvania. <laughs> so we're talking hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. I can't worry about that. Now, there's some things that I am doing for that, but that's, you know, that's not part of this conversation. The PDFs and the business cards I'm going to be passing out, mainly will be within my neighborhood of thousands of people. Right. And that's, that's what I'm saying too. I think it, you got to kind of start that small, small circle, big circle. Like it's easier to affect your, your immediate circle and then kind of work your way out from there. If you can, I had personally a pretty bad experience with, with trying to get the neighborhood and community involved. And that was just something as simple as doing a neighborhood watch. Right. Mm. we had some break-ins some things happened in the neighborhood everybody was super gung-ho and you see that like in prepping in in general right coronavirus pops off everybody's into prepping and then it kind of fades trump gets in right. you know uh, uh obama's in office people are worried about everything trump gets into office and then it kind of fades right so people right. unless it's like a true lifestyle for them or they really have a passion for it. In my experience so far, it's hard to get them to really care. 
until it's a, until it's an actual problem. So I've been trying to have the mindset of like, I just want you to know I'm here to help you when you need help. It'd be very preferable if you did something to prepare on your own. So you're not coming to the table empty handed. But I think a lot of preppers discredit the um, kind of like the, the labor that somebody could bring to the table, even if they showed up with nothing. Like, well, like, like you mentioned, you mentioned like, how are you going to deal with waste? Right? That's the problem, right? Huh? They have to eat, though. That's the problem, right? Is that they have to eat and drink? Yeah, but there's, a lot, there's a lot of work to be done. Like, you... oh, you're breaking up a little bit, Lenny. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to Lenny, repeat that. You broke up. Repeat what you just said. Dealing with the waste and, and trash and stuff, right? So I don't want to dig the latrines. I don't want to clean them out. But the guy who showed up with nothing—that's the guy who's going to be doing that work. So there, there is some. Someone always brings something to the table, even if it's just their sweat equity. Does that make sense? Yeah, but you can get that. Your children could do that. See, so I don't. I don't want. I just want to push back on that a little bit, because and that's why. I'm, okay, the better question is this: What would it take for people to prepare? Like what? Why, why don't people prepare? That's really the better question, right? And the way I see it, and that's because of now the, you know, the couple hundred of people that I've talked to, I mean, once I get into a couple thousand, I mean, I really will have a, a better sense of it. And this is what I'm trying to accomplish. One, they don't know all the categories, or in my case, topics of preparedness. So you join, you know, Preparedness awareness, check. I, I'm gonna have that covered. Then it's kind of like, well, oh my God, how do you how do you wash clothes off grid? You know what? You go into that category, give me a couple more months, I'll have ten dozens of videos where you don't have to worry about trying to search something on YouTube and you type in, I don't know, you know, off grid laundry and you get a bunch of N N N S NBC or ABC post on off-grid power or something. I mean, YouTube is broken now. I mean, you never get anything you're looking for on YouTube. I'm going to have that covered. I'm gonna, the PDF is going to be free. It's going to be so simple. It's, I'm going to break it down to people where they can do it very smartly, and I'm going to tell them the benefit of doing it, where, where I, one, I don't have to expose myself, right? So nobody knows who, who dropped that off. So that alone is powerful. Because people who have this kind of instinct that they should be preparing, and then all of a sudden something drops on their car window, they feel that's a sense of God talking to them, right? And I don't want to kind of really go in that direction, but people have a, a, a sixth sense now because there's just so much nonsense going on all the time. They just don't know what to do. So now... You'll see very simply all the things you need to do to have three months worth of preparedness. Then the press, well, where do I buy all this stuff? What do I do? Guess what? You, you're going to go to preparedness tips and I'll advertise that. And you'll go to my Amazon store and it literally will be broken down in those 50 different categories. So if you need to set up your off grid or your power, like say for power uh, solar generators, like what one do I buy? I have... I call them aisles. I'm building aisles in my store 
on Amazon. And let's face it, people shop from Amazon. You know what I mean? Wouldn't, you know, we all would rather probably not, but it just is what it is. Amazon is a powerful tool and it does save you some money in a lot of cases, sometimes not. Um, but I'm going to just make it easy. So my goal is to give people tremendous amount of value in, in with content and then give them the ease to execute their mission and hopefully that mission is three months of food and supplies and i'll write it in a way where i'm going to pull on some heart strings you know what would you do what would you say i mean on preparedness tips now i added a public service announcement you know what not only could you pull heartstrings with but it's you can pull on what did you do what did you do to be ready for the for the pandemic oh, and the lockdowns? what did you do where, where did you drop the ball? How could you have made it easier on yourself? I, that's the way I've been finding to reach a lot of people lately is like, well, why was that so hard that's on you? Why, why was it so hard on you? It wasn't that hard on me. Like, yeah, I had some struggles and there were some weird things, but it wasn't the worst thing ever. That's a very good way of putting it. And that helps to put things in perspective. So that's kind of how I see. I just think, man, I, if I lived out in the middle of nowhere, this wouldn't even be on my radar. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not going to kid, kid you not. Wouldn't even be on my radar. I'd be perfectly fine. But I just think about it more and more. And I'm thinking about where I live at. Man, I'm really going to have to start preparing for neighbors. I mean, the main reason I'm gr I want to grow potatoes is not for myself. It's basically for my neighborhood. I got to keep people alive. You know, I think security if I had to use a body, right, like you just said, um, have a body, it would be for security. That would be the number one purpose. And um, if I could turn my father, you know, for, for our church, he helped to build a soup kitchen for the church. He was really involved in that. And I always remembered that because soup, you know, if you're cold, it keeps you warm. It always makes you feel good if you have a good hearty soup. It fills you up. Um, and so I already bought the big soup pot. Um, I can use that on my rocket stove. I have plenty of wood. So cooking and making soup is, is really extremely easy. I just make sure I have enough potatoes stored away. And I'll have, you know, when it's said and done, three, 400 pounds. Um, and we'll have to spread it now. Um, and that's why I buy a lot of corn. Um, cause I could just add corn into that soup. And so, you know, that's the way I want to kind of give back to my community, give back to my neighborhood. Um, make, make, I feel like I'm really doing something in a positive way, um, that, and helping and people. And that's interesting. You talked about it from, from the church perspective, cause man, to me, I was, I was thinking with all this stuff that happened with coronavirus and all the all the problems from food shortages to this and this and that I, you don't really see any churches stepping up in mass, which they should. I mean, I look at the, I, I passed two churches on my way to work. Right. And there, and there's way more in the area. There's way more churches than make sense considered to the population. Right. But not one of these churches that I pass or go by that are like have any community gardens. They didn't really do any, they didn't do really anything to help, um, like a couple of them did a water giveaway when everybody was looking for, for toilet paper and water. 
but that was like the max extent of it. So it just, there's, there's a lot of community help. Like if you were to just get involved in a church and then try to make your mission through the church to promote preparedness in your local area, I mean, that would be doing some great things. Brother, I got a lot, a lot of things I hope to do um, within my community. And it's unfortunately, I don't think I'll get to a lot of it by time the next <laughs> unexpected, unthinkable event happens. But you better believe me, I will be perfectly in perfect position after that. And, and, and I really believe, and we talked about a little of this the, um, last time we were on the phone, was I don't think people still are awake enough. You know, it's just sad. That's why, that's why I said a low number like, man, if I had 25%, I'd be overjoyed because I, I even think that might be a stretch. You know what I'm saying? Um, but after the next thing happens, oh, it'll be 70, 80%. Everybody will want to be a prepper. I just want to make sure I have all the tools then prepared to have people be successful and to do it a quick way. Like, let's just keep it real. We've had years, right? And so, you know, I've told people for years, and they're like, and I get, I get a lot of that. Well, when is it going to happen? I'm like, okay, well, all right. Yeah, you ain't well, getting too don't. much of that lately, are you? <laughs> well, no, I still get it. That's the thing no about way. it. People, are you serious? I am oh. still getting it. They don't even see COVID like nothing. They almost don't even see COVID like it, it happened. Ugh. That's so one of, that's, I mean, that's, that's, and that's funny. Like, it's because like, we come from a different perspective, but if, if you think about it from your, your average uh, sheeple perspective, you know, the sports never got turned off the TV. Right. You know, the, the football season still went on. The basketball season went on. They, they even kind of romanticized it from, from NBA, from the bubble. You know what <laughs> I mean? And, and it just, we're, we're fighting we're fighting a propaganda war is we really we really an information war intent but yeah, uh, yeah you yeah. know it's it's, <laughs> it's i got it's that strange, it's strange times man it, it really is it's you would think it would be the like we'd be selling uh water in hell by talking about preparedness by now yeah you, you would you would think but i tell you i'm so proud of you you're going out there doing this podcast um, is helping to wake people up. You know, the more people, you don't have to do this and you made a decision to do it so you can help people. So you can just have conversations, you know, and you know, that's what needs to be had. And it just needs to be had 10 times more, unfortunately. But you know, a lot of people in our community are selling fear uh, because they're personally profiting from it. So they're really not trying to get people prepared. They're just trying to get people scared and um, they're not trying to elevate anyone to another level. They're just trying to, um, you know, almost paralyze people to be like, well, what can I do? This seems to be impossible. So I don't want to be a part of that uh, at all. I want to be part of the solution. I'm going to do all the work now. So everybody else doesn't have to do so much work. I know that's what your plans are. I know that's what your passion is as well, helping people out. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just stay at it. You know, we'll just stay at it. And at the end of the day, those who are hearing us, right, they're hearing us because God has worked in their lives. That's why they get a chance to truly hear us. And at the end of the day, they will be prepared one way or the other 
because they have uh, made, you know, not only preparedness a priority, but they made the relationship with their Lord and Savior a priority. So they'll be perfectly fine regardless of where they're going to be at after this next event. So. Right. That's awesome, man. Well, I think I, I think we covered a lot. I think maybe a lot more than we both thought we would. Um, <laughs> Is, is the, I mean, this is just how it flows, man. People, people are getting a chance to just hear us talk, and I, I think hopefully they get as much value from it as I do. Um, is there anything, you, any parting words, anything you think we should finish this off with? Well, I mean, the only thing I would say is um, I, I just encourage people to be, be, be proud preppers. Be proud of it. You know what I mean? You don't have to. Now, here's the thing. I don't want you telling everybody <laughs> about it. You don't, you don't want to announce your preparedness. And I definitely don't suggest you put it out there to the public uh, unless you're going to do it in an influencer way and you're going to maybe make a business out of it. Um, you keep it to yourself. Keep it to like-minded people. Um, keep, it, keep the community or your personal team tight um, and just do enough that you think that you'll be prepared. You know, for something, an event that's at least three months long. You know, keep that in mind. Three months. Government's going to tell you two weeks, but I challenge you to look back at any disaster and say, did it last two weeks? Because I, it's not one you can think of on a major level that lasted two weeks. So yeah, have I mean, that. they're they're on day probably around seventy as of today for this whole Ukraine Russian thing. Oh, look you know? at the, look at the lockdown in China. If they had, if they had, they probably had two weeks of food. And now look at them, they're throwing themselves off buildings because yeah. it's, it's like day 38 or something like that. So never, never go with what anything government said. Always do the extreme. So three months, I think, is a, is a reasonable amount, even if you live in an apartment. You know, I would challenge people that even if they lived in an apartment, they still can have three months of survival. So God bless everyone. That's all I want to say. Please go to preparedness.tips uh, with an S and you'll, you'll find out all the different things that I do. Take uh, There's a free quiz on there. Take that free quiz. Just kind of see where you're at when it comes, if you can survive out there in the woods. And uh, please use my affiliate links and that, that helps fund me. So I appreciate that. And now you're on Clubhouse Daily as well, right? I'm on Clubhouse Monday through Thursday at noon. That may change going into the summertime. Um, so, again, everything's on preparedness, not tips. If you click on the Clubhouse, you'll see exactly the time. And then on Fridays, I'm testing a Friday night at 8 o'clock um, just to see if that could create a little bit more dialogue. During the daytime, to be honest with you, I like the one-on-ones. Um, so I just want people to book um, a session on Clubhouse, and I could just deal with people one-on-one -on -one so I can truly feel like I'm, you know, helping people one at a time, man. And, um, but at nighttime, I like, that's when I really want to create those conversations with a lot of people in the room and, you know, really one cut it up and have what? some I fun. Like that. I got a, I got another little slogan for you right there. One at a time, preparing minds. Ah, <laughs> you know, this is like the third one, bro. What? Hold on. Say that again. One at a time, preparing minds. I love it. I love, I love it. it too, man. Thank you for your time as always, man. Good conversating with you. Absolutely, Lenny. God bless you, brother. I'll All talk right, to you soon. I'll talk to you offline. Okay, bye. <laughs>